0: For those who didn't hear that, I said we're going to look at Romans chapter 5, if you want to find that. And I'm going to read from the 12th verse, so Romans 5 and verse 12, where Paul is writing to his friends in Rome, and he says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all men because all sinned, for before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who didn't sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? For those of us who have been here in recent weeks will know that Paul is speaking about the total change that takes place in someone's life when they become a Christian. When you become a Christian, he's been telling us, you, it, you are in Christ. There's no longer any guilt, and there is no longer any gap between us and God. And uh, in the, the verses that we looked at last week, those of us uh, who were here, we saw that in verse 10, he says, how much more shall we be saved through his life? And we saw that that could be translated, and I would say should be translated how much more shall we be saved in his life? And now he goes on to develop this rather strange idea of being in Christ, being in his life. And in these verses that I've just read, which just don't want to depress you, but many people say these verses that I've just read are the most condensed, difficult verses in much of the New Testament. So that's what we're going into this morning, folks, into uh, quite a, a, a close argument here. But actually, it's quite simple what he's saying. He's saying that there are two key men in human history. There are two key men whose actions have consequences for everyone who has ever lived or will ever live. Now, that makes them unique. There are no other people who have ever been who have implications for everyone. (coughs) Now, you might consider yourself, for example, to be, and I'm sure you are, a very significant person. Everyone is. But I wonder, how long will you be remembered after you're gone? I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Will people still be talking about you Ten years after you've gone? Five years? Two years? One? <laughs> I mean, t- we, we, we're here for a while and then we're gone. But there are two men in world history that are not just famous, but their actions actually affect everyone. And these are the two men that Paul is speaking about here. One of them is Adam. And the other one is Jesus Christ. These are two men whose lives affect everyone, although people may not be aware of that fact. So he talks, first of all, about Adam. Let's look at this man. He says in verse 12, sin entered the world through one man. He doesn't name him at that point. He names him in verse 14. Uh, where the, the, the name Adam appears, but that's who he's speaking about. Sin entered the world through one man, the first man. Now, there are many people who, when they're talking about the Bible, would say, yeah, I like what I read in the New Testament. I like some of the stories in the Old Testament, but the first few chapters in Genesis, that I just can't accept. Uh, And many people will have a problem uh, with what the first few chapters in Genesis have to say about God creating the world and God creating one man, Adam and then creating a wife for him, Eve, and they were the first two, and all humanity comes from them. People say, no, 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 that, that cannot be, you see, because we now know about evolution, and we realize that no, a whole race of people will have developed, and there cannot have been just one first man. Now notice what Paul says here, sin entered the world through one man. If we remove that one man, If we say, no, we can't accept the story of Adam, what we will find happening is that the rest of the Bible comes tumbling down around our ears. The whole thing is built on that. There was one man. That's who Paul is speaking about here and saying that that one man's action affects everyone. His name, Adam, that's the Hebrew for man. Not a very imaginative name for him, but yeah, he was the man. He was humanity. He was the only man when he was created. And what it says here about this man is that his actions affect everyone. When Adam was created, he had the two things that Paul is writing about in this section. He had righteousness, that is to say, pure, hadn't sinned, never done anything wrong, righteousness, and relationship with God. God would come to the garden where he had placed Adam, and there was ease of relationship between this man and God. Righteousness and relationship. And you know the story, he lost both. He lost both because he voluntarily chose to do what God had said he mustn't do. He voluntarily chose to defy God, to disobey God. In other words, to use the word the Bible uses, he sinned. He had been warned of the consequences of that, but nonetheless, he did it. And so he lost righteousness. He's now done wrong. And he lost relationship with God because he is now a sinner. His punishment... Death. God had said, the day you eat of that tree, you will die. And it says here, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. His punishment was death, exclusion from relationship with God, loss of the purity that it had, the righteousness that he had had, and then experiencing things he'd never experienced before, like pain. Hardship, difficulty. All the blessing that originally he had had, he lost. Now, his legacy is this. Sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men, because all sinned. When Adam sinned, what the Bible is saying is, when Adam sinned, Everyone sinned. Because at that point, Adam was humanity. So humanity sinned, but also we are in him. Now that's a concept that we can find a bit difficult, and yet maybe we shouldn't find it difficult. In just a week's time, the whole civilized world is going to be taken up with football mania. Now just imagine and maybe this will take some imagining. Just imagine, when it's all over, imagine that we have won the World Cup. Now, maybe you can't quite, your imagination doesn't go that far, but just imagine. Imagine that we have won the World Cup. Now, did you notice what I said then? See, as far as I know... No one in this room has been selected for the England squad. If you had been, you'd be in South Africa right now. Or maybe some of you are waiting by the phone. But um, none of us is actually in the England squad, and yet we could talk about we won the World Cup. Well, no, we didn't. We didn't play, but the people chosen to represent us win the World Cup, and then we would say we won. Or, of course... We might say we lost. We might say we were knocked out in the first round. I mean, who knows what we're saying. But what we're saying, what I'm saying is the people representing us, it's as if they're us. We're involved in some way in what they are doing. We didn't select them. We didn't ask them to represent us. They've been selected by those responsible to do that. But nonetheless, what they do. In some way affects us. We win, we lose, whatever. Adam selected to represent us. What he did, we do. He wins, we win. He loses, we lose. Well, he lost. He lost. He lost relationship with God. He lost righteousness. He becomes a sinner. We are born in Adam. This is a man who affects everyone. Because he represents not just a nation, but the world. So his legacy is he passes on to everyone this inborn rebellion against God. It's natural to do wrong. It's natural to disobey because of Adam. And so death came to all men because also, all sin. In many ways, verse 12 could be lifted right out of its context and said that really explains everything. That explains the problem of pain. That explains why suffering. That explains everything. Sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all because all sinned. goes on to say that in verse 17, death reigned through that one man, death is in charge. Physically, spiritually, we're under death. We will all die. But spiritually also. And so people can be uh, religious, but actually it doesn't bring them to God. They're reaching out to God, maybe. Maybe trying to be good, but actually death reigns. Failure is built in. Frustration is built in. Futility is built in. One rather uh, gloomy person has said, the world is a world of cemeteries. (laughs) Yes, death reigns. I know I was, was born and grew up in London, and just near where I lived, there was the City of London Cemetery. It was massive, absolutely massive. I think, yeah, people die. The evidence is there, Put, we, we, death reigns none of us can avoid that and death reigns also spiritually we're cut off from God and cut off from the ability to just always do what's right we can't do that now Paul says in uh, verse uh, 14 about Adam he was a pattern of the one to come a pattern of the one to come, which leads him on then to speak about the second key man. The first man who affects everyone is Adam. He lost, we lose. Now there's this second man. And this, he speaks about in verse 15, he says, if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's, Grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So here again, he speaks of Jesus as one man. Adam was the one man. Now we have the second man. And he was really a man. Jesus was born, the Son of God, becoming a real human being like us and yet unlike us. Like us, a human being, a real flesh and blood man, but unlike us because he had righteousness and he had relationship with God. Just as Adam did originally, righteous and relating with God. So now the second man comes with those two priceless blessings. He's pure, he's without sin, and he's got relationship with God. Easy relationship with God. Adam had that, and he lost. Adam was tempted, and he went for the temptation. The second man comes. He also is tempted, but he resists. He rejects temptation. He will not have it. Adam, tempted in a garden, and he goes for it. Jesus finally comes to a garden, the garden of Gethsemane, and the temptation is there to just... Change the plan. Do something else. But no, he wins. And he goes through. Adam tempted. He fell. He died. Death came. Jesus tempted, winning, but he died. Death came. Death is the result of sin. And here is a man who rejected temptation and was obedient to death. Why did he die? He died and is excluded from God's presence. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He cries. He hadn't sinned, but he's taken our sin. He has become our substitute. His death, totally undeserved. And yet at that point, it is deserved because he's identified with us and he stands in our substitute assuming our guilt. And he died in our place. Adam died and he leaves a legacy. Everyone sinned in him, and death reigns in him. Now the second man comes and he dies in our place and leaves a legacy for us. And the legacy, is spoken about here in verse 15, If the, the gift is not like the trespass. If the many died by the trespass of the one man, Adam, How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Last week, those of us who are here saw how Paul starts weaving in this phrase, how much more? There is a contrast here, a contrast between Adam and Jesus. Adam is a pattern of the one to come, and yet with Jesus, there is this factor of how much more? With Adam, death reigns. The many die. It affects everyone. How can anything be greater than that? Everyone dies. Everyone has sinned. How can there be more with Jesus? Well, there is. There is a lavishness about it. It says God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man overflows to the many. Verse 16, again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin, brought condemnation. Just one sin, he took one piece of fruit that was forbidden to take, that's it, he sinned. One sin, and it brought condemnation. The gift followed many trespasses, all our sin given to Jesus. He assumes it all. And what does that bring? It brings justification. Jesus died in our place so we can be forgiven, so that we can know righteousness and we can know relationship with God. There is this abundance about it, this lavishness in the sheer goodness of God. Justification, not condemnation. That is ours in Christ. In Christ, Paul loves to dwell on that. He, that's why he's reveling in it here in this chapter. Also in 1 Corinthians 15, he says something similar. He says in verse 21, Since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. As in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. We're either in Adam or we're in Christ. Two men who affect everyone and our whole destiny all our experience hangs on this question which man do we belong to adam or christ in adam everyone will die and there's judgment for sin in christ we're made alive resurrected jesus died and he rose again When people are baptized, they're baptized into his death and his resurrection. There is a new life. We put people under the water, dead, buried, and they come up again. Resurrection. That's what it's about. We're in the life of Christ. Who do we belong to? Adam or Christ? Now, Paul says in verse 17, By the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man. He's established that fact. We were subjects of death. Death Reigns where under it, where it subjects. Then he turns round what you'd expect him to say. He says, if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned, you would think he would say by the obedience of the one man, life reigned. But he doesn't say that. He says, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and, of, and the gift of righteousness reign in life? We were subject to death. We are not subject to life. Rather, we reign in life so things become subject to us. Death reigned over us. Life doesn't reign over us. We reign in life. That's his great conclusion. But what does it mean? What does it mean? Where, where are we supposed to be? What's he saying there? Well, I think from the moment Paul started preaching that, people have been misunderstanding it. And certainly today, people misunderstand it and draw very wrong conclusions from what he is saying. Those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. When Paul is writing to his friends in Corinth, he has to correct their misunderstanding of this. They have really latched on to something that very much appeals to them, but it isn't right. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he's speaking somewhat sarcastically, and he says to them in verse 8, Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. You have become kings. See, this is it. They've got hold of reigning in life. And they say, we are kings. We, therefore, have a destiny of health and wealth. We're the king's kids. Already you have all you want. You've become rich. You've become kings. He says, and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings. So that we might be kings with you. For it seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. Like men condemned to die in the arena and so on. They've latched on to this. If we reign in life. Ah, right. Now everything is under us. We should then be the most prosperous people in the city. We should have the biggest houses or several of them. The biggest car or cars. And we're called to be healthy and wealthy forever. No more sickness, no more poverty, because we're reigning in life. And you hear people preaching this. If you tune in, if you do tune into the God Channel, you'll certainly hear people preaching this kind of stuff. And it's spread around the world. I mean, it is desperate the way error spreads faster than truth. And so you can go into third world nations, and people who are desperately poor nonetheless believe this stuff. And you see church leaders becoming really prosperous. Uh, What's he talking about? We reign in life. Well, the Corinthians got it wrong. Lots of people get it wrong today. What does it mean? Well, look at what he says. Reigning in life is what happens when you receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness. That's what it's about. It's... How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life? What he's talking about then is receiving grace from God. The grace of God means that we are accepted on the basis of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, and it's nothing to do with what we earn. It's then the gift of righteousness. Nothing we achieve but something that is given to us. Those who receive grace, those who receive righteousness, then are reigning in life whatever life throws at us. So Paul, when he's correcting the Corinthians, because they think they're, they're kings, he says, no, look, look at the apostles. Like men condemned to die. Like the scum of the earth. They're not... Prosperous, they know extreme poverty, but they're reigning in it. They're reigning in it because of the gift of righteousness, relationship with God, and just God's abundant provision of grace. Means enjoying God in whatever circumstances. And life can be. Pretty cruel sometimes. People can be pretty cruel. The unexpected can happen. Bitter disappointments and tragedies can come. But in it all, there is something irrepressible about the Christian because we're in Christ and He rose again. Death couldn't hold Him. Death cannot hold us. Nothing can hold us down. We reign in life. And so in chapter 8 And verse 38, chapter 8 and verse 38, Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's reigning in life. Yeah, death, life, angels, demons, who knows what life is going to bring our way. But in it all, we're, we're inseparable from God's love. That's reigning in life. When Paul is writing to the Philippians, he's received a gift from them, but he, he wants to say thank you without giving the impression that he's desperate for money or desperate for anything else. Because he says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need." I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or want. The secret of being content, that means kind of self-contained, self-sufficient, not in the wrong sense of being arrogant, but it doesn't matter what's happening around because he's reigning in life. Got relationship with God and God has given him The gift of righteousness. In chapter 6 of Romans, Paul again speaks about, describes more of what it means to reign in life. And there he's talking about baptism, which is appropriate. He says we were buried with him through baptism into death, and we're raised. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too live a new life. What does that mean? What is this new life? Well, verse 14, sin shall not be your master. In Adam, sin is your master. In Adam, you just cannot defeat sin. Every new attempt to defeat sin is a new opening for failure. And we can make resolutions. We can determine we're going to do this, we're going to do that. We can try to be very religious. But there's always failure built into it. Sin is our master. We cannot defeat it. When we're in Christ, sin is no longer our master. Sin shall not be your master. Why? Because we're reigning in life. And in Christ, we have the legal right to say no to temptation because Jesus is Lord. Sin will still come. Sin will still tempt us. But we are free to say no to it. It's not that we will then become perfect because things can go wrong, but we are free not to sin. Reigning in life. It's how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and, of, and the gift of righteousness Reign in life. We are in the life of Christ. Ultimately, we will be sharing the reward that Jesus has. Join heirs with him, the Bible says. Sometimes people look at Christianity as if it's kind of less than alternatives. What Paul is saying here is, it's more than. And what he's saying here is, look at the first man, Adam. There he is in paradise, in the Garden of Eden. There is no sin, no broken relationships, no suspicion, no fear. It's just wonderful. No guilty conscience, no memory of ever doing anything wrong. Just a clean conscience, a pure heart, and knowing God, freely able to communicate with God. That's the Garden of Eden. That was lost. And what Paul is saying here is that Jesus has not merely restored to us what Adam lost. It's how much more. Because Adam was not in the Son of God. Adam was not heading for heaven. Adam was in a garden. And he was going to be gardening for the rest of his life. Well, some might regard that as good news. Others might regard it as bad. But that's where Adam was. His role was to tend that garden. We are destined for glory. We are in Christ. It's how much more. Paul is looking at what lies ahead. Everyone is affected by these two men. One of them. In Adam or in Christ. Paul is not saying here that Christ has put right all that Adam put wrong and so everyone now will be saved. He's not saying that at all. He's saying everyone is affected by Adam. But who is affected by Christ? Well, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace. Those who receive the gift of righteousness. Something has to happen. A decision has to be made. We are all born in Adam. How do we come into Christ? By receiving his his gift. Receiving what he has done. And it's more than just believing it. It's more than just giving an assent to it. It's more than just believing, yeah, I believe that Jesus Christ came and I believe that he was the son of God. Someone has put it like this Imagine a starving man, seriously hungry, starving. And someone warns him that when you get to that condition, you can hallucinate. You can imagine you can see food. It's just your mind playing tricks, it isn't really there. Well, imagine this starving man, and he sees food. Now, it could be an illusion. He could be hallucinating. But he comes to a decision. This is real. And it is real. Now, that's wonderful. In other words, he's come to face. He is now believing he's a starving man, and there is food. Now, of course, that's ridiculous if the story ends there. But he says, I, I believe this is not an illusion. I believe this is real. What he's got to do is eat it. Now, many people who will say, Faith in Jesus Christ, Christianity, it's just an illusion. It's wish fulfillment. No, you come to a point where you say, no, I believe. I believe this is true. I believe what it says. And now you've got to eat it. How do you do that? You say, well, I receive it. I'm taking this into my life. I am receiving God's abundant provision of grace. Now, there are many people who genuinely have believed but are they reigning in life? Do they know what Paul is talking about here, or are they continually living as if death reigns, sin reigns, and they're just you know bounced about by different things that happen? Maybe a prayer is answered, or oh, God loves me. Then it looks like a prayer hasn't been answered, or oh, I don't think God does love me. Reigning in life? No, you're not. We're called to get hold of this. To say, I am receiving God's abundant provision of grace. and, And I'm believing this and I'm receiving this gift of righteousness. So I'm going to reign. I will now reign in life. This is doing me good. That starving man needs to eat the food. We need to come to a place of faith. Say, yeah, I accept I was in Adam. I now believe in Jesus Christ, but I'm going to receive this abundance, this how much moreness about what Jesus has done, the abundant provision of grace, and this gift of righteousness. I'd like to be three groups, types of people here this morning. There will be some who are in Adam. That's where you're at. Not yet in Christ, you're in Adam. And for you, please hear what I'm saying, hear what the Bible is saying. Death reigns. You will die, and after that, there will be judgment, and all have sinned. The good can never outweigh the bad, there is too much bad. We will suffer the wrath of God. The just anger of God against sin. There are some who are in Adam. The second category will be those who have moved from Adam to Christ. They have received Christ as Savior. And for you, you will live forever. You will be with him forever, simply not because of what you have done, and you know this, it's because of what Jesus has done. You have received Jesus. The, the benefits of, of Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' obedience, and you're not in Adam, you're in Christ. Well, then who can the third group of people be? The third group of people are those who are in Christ and are actually reigning in life. Actually believed it and got hold of it. You've seen, it's not just about what happens when I die. It's about what happens Now, And I see that I'm in Christ. That changes everything. It changes how I face tomorrow. It changes how I face crises. It changes how I face when I lose my job or when suddenly I discover I'm ill. I'm reigning in that because nothing can separate me from His love. It's a place of maturity. It's a place of just enjoying God, enjoying Him Forever. And if you're reigning in life, it gets better and better. Because as you get to know God more, you're enjoying him more. Three groups of people. All start off in Adam. There's an offer. We can move from Adam to Christ and say, I see. I know I've sinned. And I know I can't clean my, my life up. There are things that have been done to me, things that have happened to me, as well as things that I've done. And I know I'm not clean if I face the holy God. The choice is there to move from Adam to Christ. I receive a Savior. Someone who cleans me up, changes my life forever. We can move from one to the other. When we're in Christ, and we've got to believe who we're in. got to believe There's this how much more. God wants to give you more. That is true for all of us. God wants to give us more. None of us has got it all. None of us has yet received all that God has to give. See the the extravagance of Paul's language here. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life. Have you got hold of that lavishness? Well, God's got more for you. Let's pray.